Welcome to the first regular episode of the year. Man, when we said at the end of last year we were going to have some guests, we kind of meant it, I guess. Yeah, yeah. We haven't <laughs> done nothing but, but guests uh, since the middle of December, um, which I have been having a blast. I hope everybody else has been having a blast. Thanks so much to everybody that's come on so far. And what's what's really great is the folks that have been on are asking to come back right so you know that's 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 awesome we we really have a good time chatting with people about scary movies and conventions and all that fun stuff so hope you've been enjoying the kind of uh revamped undead scary dad podcast and now it's time for a regular episode it is uh january 13th 2021 and it is episode 166 of the Scary Dad podcast, where um, we, if you haven't noticed, if you haven't joined us on our Facebook uh, group, Scary Dad's Haunted Forum, you need to. Because if you like the show, um, it's like 10 times the show. Where everybody's <laughs> just talking about sc- cool, scary stuff, sharing clips and videos, sharing memes, it's been fun. It's answering polls, you know, all kinds of cool, neat stuff that... Um, that we're doing so not to mention the giveaways for every 50 people that we get to follow the page which is yep. always a plus for being a member and i just got an order in of some really cool stuff from evil jays who's one of those people i'm going to reach out to and see if we can't have him on the show um sometime in the very near future but yeah i've got some cool giveaways these really kick-ass uh gold keychains and different like uh uh just weird colors they're like they're 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 really kick ass. My favorite one is the pink one. Like I don't want to give away my pink ones, <laughs> dude. I really I mean like, you remember the eighties when people had freestyle bikes, the, yeah, the, the yeah. GT bikes, and, the, and they were in the either the the like super Deglo pink or lime mm-hmm. green or whatever. Like that's kind of coming back, and I'm noticing like how awesome that color is. So um, I'm keeping the pink ones, but I'll give away the others because I ordered them for giveaways. I just didn't realize how cool they were gonna be. But, um, yeah, so what we did on the forum was we didn't ask us anything. We said we would touch base with a couple of questions if you had them. So um, if we took too many questions, we'd have a show that was too long, so we just took a few. But um, also the answers to a couple of the questions made us realize we needed to revisit some subjects that uh, probably haven't talked about in a while. So uh, without – Further ado, we're going to invite our friend, Mr. Gomez. First, the old business. All right. So we're back to this day in horror in uh, history. And one of the voices of horror history that sends a chill down the spine of just about anybody that hears him is uh, Mr. Robert Stack was yes. born on this date in uh, 1919. Um, I didn't realize he was that old wow. whenever whenever he passed. James, wow. He's been around for a long time. <laughs> but um, everybody, I mean, Unsolved Mysteries is one of the longest running shows. We actually did an episode on it 
um, an entire, I think we did a two-part episode on Unsolved yeah. Mysteries. Because it was a big part of our childhood. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, even, you just hear it come on from a other room and get a chill down your spine, knowing like, it's kind of like knowing sharks are in the water and there's people out there. Right. And, and these these stories are unsolved. Well, you know, my son, he, uh, whenever I was trying to explain to him what Unsolved Mysteries was, he told me, he says, well, you know, that's kind of what Forensic Files is is, is to me now. Because Forensic Files, what it's been on for 10 years, has had the same narrator the entire time. So he can relate to hearing that voice and just associating that voice with just something really, really creepy. Because Forensic Files, while everything was solved, it, it got it got kind of creepy for a young child. Yeah. And he definitely remembers that. But yeah, he, uh, he can relate to it. But yeah, Unsolved Mysteries. And what I love is the Netflix Unsolved Mysteries series. What I love about that show is they did not try to replace Robert Stack as the narrator. Right. That made it so much better than it could have been. Because I have a feeling they would have tried to find somebody to replace his narration. It just it would have fell flat and it would have been annoying. But luckily, they decided to just stay away from that altogether. So then next we have on this date in 1938, William B. Davis, who's not known for much, but he is an iconic character that is unforgivable, unforgivable, well, unforgivable and unforgettable, <laughs> but he is the cigarette smoking man from the X-Files. Okay. Um, one thing about it is, again, he didn't, he didn't say much and he didn't do much, but you knew that when he was on screen that there was danger. Right. You know, like awesome character. Um, now this dude did some horror, but you know, you know him more for uh, comedy, but, uh, this date in 1943, Mr. Richard Mull from, mm -hmm. uh, Night Court. Yeah. Um, and he played some crazy characters and some bad guys and stuff here and there. But, um, but yeah. He did have a full head of hair one time. <laughs> I have seen it. Well, his head was shaved. Cause I mean, if yeah. you seem even, yeah. even older, he's got like a, a power donut. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, going back, sorry, the Unsolved, Unsolved Mysteries episode I meant to to mention, if you want to listen to that, that starts at episode 56. Um, we are now recording episode 166, so it's been a couple of years, um, but that was a really fun episode. Yeah. Um, all right, so now in this Dayton Horror history, just count, counting, counting forward from, from the oldest to the newest. Um, on this date in 1939, they released Son of Frankenstein. In 1973, and I've never seen this, but I just like the way they titled movies back in the day. Because there was just like, there's there no subtlety. This is the Satanic Rites of Dracula, 1973. <laughs> like those Hammer Horror movies are like, like pretty much give away the whole movie. With, uh, <laughs> but you're like, this is, this is what it is. <laughs> Um, I've never seen this movie. Maybe you have, but I remember the the cover looking awesome. But uh, Deep Star Six. I remember that movie too. But I'm not sure if I've ever that's seen the cover it. that has like the diving uh, guy. It's like his his. It's got a helmet and a torso, yeah. and like the arms are ripped off. Yes. Yeah, I remember that, but I don't. I don't think I've ever seen that. I don't. I don't think I have. Oh, well, I know I haven't, but I remember seeing the video mm -hmm. and then choosing to watch something else. Um. Something that's near and dear to our hearts, but in 1989, if you were in 1989 right now, you'd be lining up to go see Pumpkinhead. I love, love, love Pumpkinhead. Dude, man. Pumpkinhead is one of those that, uh, I remember 
when it first came out and the, just the, the monster itself without knowing the story, without seeing the movie, but just seeing the monster, I just knew that this movie is going to be awesome. Cause look at that guy. Well, what's cool about the movie is, <laughs> and I remember this very, very well, is that I used to subscribe to Fangoria when I was young. Uh, and I remember, I remember the Fangoria issue where they talked about Stan Winston put together Pumpkinhead and they created this monster. They didn't have a movie for it yet. So they were like, we've got to put this in something. And next thing you know, they came out with Pumpkinhead to fit the monster, which is, a, 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 I love that. Yeah. And Stan Winston directed it too. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Lance Henriksen, I mean, it's a great, great film. And it's, it's such the perfect revenge movie too. Cause those kids, I mean, Pumpkinhead can't, he's, he's worse than Jason. Yeah. Because <laughs> at least Jason at some point can get stopped. Pumpkinhead just won't. Right. And, and not only won't, he, he can't. Mm-hmm. Like he's just, that's the curse is he won't stop until he's you, finished, until he's done. And, uh, all right. So probably not as highbrow as Pumpkinhead, but in 1989, also we had Stripped to Kill 2. Subtitled Live Girls. <laughs> I saw the first one. I never saw the <laughs> um, 1995, our friend Billy Zane in Demon Knight. Nice. And 2002, this was less horror and more kind of just dread, but a uh, Robin Williams movie, One Hour Photo. I remember that. Yeah. It's, it's a great movie where he gets obsessed yeah. with the family through their, uh, through their pictures and right. stuff. Creepy. Robin Williams, like a lot of comedic actors, they just know that that spot to hit. Well, you can say the same with John Lithgow. Mm-hmm. John Lithgow knows how to be a funny guy, but he can also be a creepy psychopath when he wants to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so um, that's what I got right now for Old Business. We will take a break and come back with the new. Mystic places, psychic phenomena, unnatural experiences. All sources of fascination and speculation. Now read Mystic Places, the book that helps unlock the secrets of the ages. What are the signs of a lost land reappearing? Was this an ancient spaceship runway used by aliens? Read Mystic Places, free for 10 days. Keep it for $12.99. Other volumes will follow from Mysteries of the Unknown, the Time Life series that sold over 2 million books. All right, here we are. Uh, what's, what's crazy is... Just, you know, I have, I have news aggregate websites that I use for new business that I go through. And unfortunately, because of the times we're in right now, there isn't much other than politics and coronavirus. It is few and far between. <laughs> so we don't have a whole lot of new business today, but we got a few things that we definitely want to talk about. So, Mr. Gomez. Okay, now this isn't horror, but her death definitely hit because... When you think of 80s, there's not an 80s kid that doesn't know Police Academy. And uh, Marion Ramsey, who played Officer Hooks, the uh, the very soft-spoken female officer she was Police awesome. Academy. Oh, yeah. Uh, she passed away at the age of 73. Of course, she's best known for appearing as Officer Hooks in the Police Academy movies. And she was in all of them, if I'm not mistaken. And they ended up having like six or something. Uh, she was born in 1947. She started acting on stage in the original Broadway run of Hello, Dolly, and later ended up moving into movies, where she ended up getting her iconic role in the Police Academy series as Cadet Laverne Hooks. And she definitely, she she was still scenes. She was, uh, that character was just great to the movie. And apparently, eventually, she reprised her uh, her role for an episode of Robot Chicken, where they were making fun of uh, the show. So. R.I.P. 
Tanya Officer. Roberts. That was some crazy stuff. With, I mean, it it's so sad because I totally understand what happened, but it was just bizarre yeah. in that, like, uh. And I know a lot of people are talking about her being a Bond girl and her being on Charlie's Angels, but for me, you and I both know how much Beastmaster means to us, you know, from being in, in just Carrie in that movie. She was, she was absolutely beautiful. Her eyes were just mesmerizing. She mm -hmm. She was perfect in that role. And as again, we, we've talked about Beastmaster not as an as a subject of the show, but I mean, for as cheesy and campy and like honestly, I read people like they always preface Beastmaster with some kind of pejorative, like essentially the sucky movie Beastmaster. I'm sorry, dude. Beastmaster is an awesome movie. <laughs> yes. um, it's it's got elements of horror it's got adventure it's got sci-fi it's got romance it's got ferrets i mean it's it's a good movie <laughs> and, and and yeah is it is it conan no but conan was its own thing right so i i can't i can't follow along when people are like oh you know it's this guilty pleasure no it's 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 a good, it's a, it's a good it's, it was there's, awesome there's so many scenes in that movie that as a kid just stick in your head so hard whenever the witch removes the baby from the woman's belly and you can see the cow's belly growing with it mm -hmm. creepy ass scene whenever rip torn is throwing the child in the fire Shit like that, dude. There was the, the ring with the eye in it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the kid's dad starts bleeding all over the kid's head. When you're a kid seeing that shit, it's a, it's a bit scary. The thing. bird people that like suck the meat off bones. I mean, there's, yeah, there, I will, I will go to my grave defending Beastmaster against anybody that wants to say it's campy or stupid. It's good. It's a good movie. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. So, RP. Tony Roberts. Sure. Yeah, one of my first crushes, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, uh, you may have heard that they are going to be making a sequel to The Exorcist coming from Bloomhouse Films. And it's been announced that it's going to be directed by David Gordon Green. You may know David Gordon Green from 2018. And he's also going to be directing Halloween Kills also. But uh, yeah, he'll be revising The Exorcist franchise, which... Being that the 2018 Halloween, which I was kind of concerned about it sucking, it ended up not... Um, um, I have no problem with this one at this point. So I think you're yeah, doing, Blue Mouse will do a good job. Yeah, you know, 2018. The, the the thing is, and and we'll talk about it on an episode with Boom because he wanted to talk about some remakes. But you know, it's like it, when you go to franchise films. You know, we talk about Fridays all the time, but you talk about a Nightmare or a Halloween. It's like it didn't used to matter. Like you didn't have to have all of this perfect continuity. You didn't have to have like, you could say pretty much any one of the Halloween movies after Halloween two is a reboot because it does not make any sense in any kind of continuity timeline. Right. Right. Some of them are better than others and all of them kind of suck except for the first two, but they're fun. Yeah. You know, they're not, they're not horrible movies. Um, but the whole thing, like Halloween 2018, they're like, oh, well, you had this and you had that and it didn't break new ground. Dude, here's what you what you, what you you had in a Halloween movie. You had Michael Myers being a scary-ass mofo, walking around killing people without saying anything and being relentless. Right. And it was good. I enjoyed it. And if you didn't, then fine. But shut up. 
<laughs> right? So um, I was never a fan of The Exorcist, but I'm willing to give it a chance with because uh, that dude knows how to scare. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes, he does. Uh, okay. Another story. I'm sure most people have seen this already, but I, like I said, I had to kind of reach back to find some new business for today. But uh, scientists have come out after getting some, uh, some footage from under the sea. Sometimes octopuses are really assholes, and they'll just randomly punch fish just because they're pissed off. Have you seen that video? <laughs> I haven't seen them punch them. Dude, you got to see this video where this fish is basically just hanging out, and this octopus purposely runs over, and he has his tentacle rolled up, and he unrolls it like one of those party favors. <laughs> and just punches the shit out of the fish, and the fish takes off. It's the funniest thing. you got to try to think it up, Okay, uh, scientists <laughs> say sometimes octopuses and fish do love to pursue prey, but they may not always get along. <laughs> it seems octopuses can get a little salty and randomly punch their hunting partners, sometimes out of spite. It's just, it's awesome. The bullish behavior was caught on camera by researchers observing interactions between octopuses and several fishes, fish species in the Red Sea. Uh, Footage was captured by a researcher from the University of Portugal. The show was several octopuses lashing out at fish as they happily swim. This one alongside. This is chilling. An octopus just decides to. Yeah, if you get a chance, check out the video, man. It's, uh, it's good stuff. And finally, just in our stupid uh, criminal segment of the week. All right. January 4th, police found a scale in bags containing white and brown substances in a Florida man's backpack. The man said he was carrying a bag of sugar and a bag of cornstarch to bake a cake. <laughs> it just happened at 3 o'clock in the morning on New Year's Eve. The funny thing about this story is the guy's name is Jethro Genius. <laughs> <laughs> too much of a genius uh, after they searched his back, backpack. He admitted that it was his two large bags of white and brown substance. He uh, he said, yeah, I own a backpack, but I'm just going to bake a cake. <laughs> <laughs> it ended up being uh, two-thirds of a pound of ecstasy that he had with him. Wow. Arrested and locked up in a uh, $47,000 bond. Uh, he's been arrested in the past for a ton of shit, man. Burglary, marijuana possession, providing false information to the cops, resisting arrest. Position of paraphernalia, so on and so forth. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty funny. He <laughs> <laughs> wasn't much of a genius. <laughs> and there was also a guy, I didn't bring this up, but there's a guy busted in a uh, selling meth. And <laughs> cops got a tip that somebody was selling meth out of a storage unit somewhere. So they go over to the storage unit, which what I find funny in the article is they had been to the storage unit before. Because somebody had died of a drug overdose at the storage unit, but they never investigated the storage unit, which just surprises the shit out of me. So they get in there, it looked like this guy was actually living in the storage unit, and they found a shitload of meth and baggage and everything. And his his defense was, I don't sell it. My friends come over, they know I have meth, and I give it to them. <laughs> so he couldn't understand why he was getting arrested for. Uh, they just so know it. Because he know was it. just giving it away. <laughs> yes, that, that's what I got this week. All right. <laughs> we'll take a break and we will be back. The shape. The face. The town. The night. 
ten years later. He's back. Yeah! Halloween 4, the return of Michael Myers. Rated R. Stocks Party, the theater or driving near you. All right, we are back. Here we are. All right, so, like I said, we've done quite a few recap episodes here and there, but we've never really done a whole lot of, like, follow back around to old subjects, which is odd for a podcast, because a lot of times they talk about, we talk about the same stuff a lot, but we don't ever revisit the same old subjects. We're trying not to. But it's um, coming around that maybe we should, because we've got a lot of content back out there and we've come along quite far in our both our podcasting abilities and our education on different stuff and right. perspectives and movies we didn't see back then that we have seen since or right. there was a couple of things just over the past couple of weeks uh, while watching stuff at home that I definitely want to revisit again because it's been a while. It was a serial killer marathon that was on it was like thirty five different serial killers they talked about. <laughs> and uh I watched a, a documentary called The Women's, Women of Jonestown. And you know how Jonestown has always been fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. That's definitely one that I like to revisit again. Yeah. But um, so we put it out to the uh, to the forum, and we've had a couple questions. You know, I got a couple of text messages and people answering the, the thing. But um, one of the ones from Allison was asking if we'd done anything or we wanted to talk about some haunted places. And I think that was inspired by, I posted the uh, Stanley hotel that I visited. So if you are not on the forum and you don't, you're not familiar with the story back in February of 2020, before everything went crazy, I got to go to the Stanley hotel up in Colorado and the Stanley hotel is where Stephen King stayed, where he was inspired to write the shining. And so, of course, they have the Haunted Hotel Tour, and outside of Stephen King and that whole mythos, the hotel's uh, history and everything is very cool. And it was haunted before Stephen King ever showed up. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's a, it's a legacy sort of place. And um, so I got a whole bunch of pictures, and I posted it. And Scott and I did an episode. Um, I would reference it if I knew, but I just remembered. We did a horror bucket lists a while yeah. back and so like well, a couple of mine was to swim with great white sharks and go visit the stanley hotel and well i got to scratch that one off and you know there's some other haunted places that i'd like to see so allison asked you know what are some haunted places and you know places you've seen or whatever and um the reality is with covid and shutting everything down like the galveston uh lantern tours got shut down right. and the houston ghost you know, ghost tours and stuff. There's a lot of stuff that I'd like to do and I'd like to collaborate with and maybe do some like video stuff. But um, my next big thing is I, I bought this book. It was actually kind of funny. Um, got this book about Galveston because I was trying to do a little bit of research to help my friend Craig, who's building Terror Isle, which is a haunted attraction down in Texas City. So I bought a book about Galveston, the Gulf Coast, and kind of the history of the pirates and, the monk, you know, all of that stuff. And I was reading it, and there's a lot of really neat stuff hidden, like, right straight in plain sight. Yeah. And Galveston has uh, essentially been destroyed, like, three times. Yeah. And, like, the body count in Galveston is is very high. And everything there is that that's still standing is is very haunted. 
and even further down the beach, like further down outside of Galveston, but further down south on the coast, um, there's there was a city called Indianola in the same 1900 hurricane that wiped Galveston almost off the map. It wiped Indianola completely off the map. And there's like foundations and stuff you can go explore from mm. these places. That, the, the, that place never came back. It never recovered. So there's some places that I'd like to go just on you know, a weekend away that's just kind of down south and it's been there my whole life. And you talk about going and exploring haunted New Orleans. Well, that's cool. Except for that six hours away, Galveston is like an hour and a half. Um, So that's kind of my next sort of thing. My wife and I are talking about trying to do a weekend jaunt down to Galveston and go look at kind of what's haunted. Hmm. How about yourself? Well, definitely. uh, You might remember me and Olivia, my daughter, were planning on going to a to the Stanley last year that she was wanting to go to Colorado and visit some friends. And I figured I'd take advantage and go hit the Stanley while they're up there. And that kind of got totally taken away. Uh, but other than that, though, I, my, my kids are starting to show some interest in some of the stories I've told them about back home in Louisiana. So hopefully on the next trip, we'll be able to visit a couple of the plantations out there and some of the other just, you know, we've spoken before about the, you know, the land that my mother grew up on. Uh, it used to be part of a tributary coming off of the Bayou Tesh, which was a major uh, uh, artery of water for pirates back in the day. And it, the legend goes that uh, Jean Lafitte buried some people there. He buried some treasure there, killed a couple of people to bury with them because the way it, it went, pirates would, would kill people and bury them where their treasure was so they'd have ghosts to protect that treasure from people that were trying to find it. And there's been some crazy, my, I started telling my kids about those crazy stories back then, and they definitely want to try to visit out that way. Uh, and also, remember we did the episode on haunted sanitariums and prisons? Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd, you know, once things open back up, that's another bucket list thing. Of all, there's a few of them that have been converted to where you can spend the night in them just to go ahead and experience some of the crazy shit that goes on. I uh, definitely want to get back into that. And that's another one we can revisit, actually, another episode we can revisit. Absolutely. Because ha- the idea of haunted sanitariums, because you know the atrocities that happened in these places way back when. Yeah. Uh, you can only imagine just the demons that exist there. Dude. Mm-hmm. Well, even though, even when even when things were benevolent, even thing, when things weren't bad, it was still not a good place to be. Right. You know, the, the, the despair, you know, and not to, not to, disparage people with mental illness but imagine you have a problem and there is no kind of solution for it like you know psychology hasn't really been invented yet Mm -hmm. and you know drugs haven't been developed yet and if you're just not quite like walking the line normal then you get put in here and even if they're treating you nicely you're locked in a place with, with, with yourself, with that yourself, you're battling against for, yeah. for 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 however long. So yeah, pretty pretty frightening. Um, but yeah, that's that's where I'd like to go. He'd like to go to the asylum. I'd like to go to the beach. So that's <laughs> that's our that's our personality <laughs> difference there. All right, and so then the next question was cryptids, which we've covered extensively to the point you know the the, the subject of cryptozoology and cryptids, it's so vast. Remember, we had to actually categorize <laughs> by the different types. Yeah, and we started 
way back in episode 36 when we talked about lake monsters, which in and of itself was one of my more favorite episodes because we got to talk about the Loch Ness, we yeah. got to talk about uh, Lake Champlain, um, the Tahoe Tessie, um, which was we did a whole episode on sea monsters themselves. So we're only talking about the freshwater lake monsters all around the world. Um, episode 51, we talked about Bigfoot. And um, in episode 86, we talked about Ripley's Believe It or Not, which is also full of that right. kind of stuff. So we've done we've done a very extensive, but you know, if you do if you go to our site and you Google the episode, it'll bring it up. But you know, if that's something you'd like to hear more and more in depth and detail, I mean, there's an entire podcast dedicated to cryptozoology. So I'm I'm more than happy to go. Uh, Talk more about it. <laughs> well, I'm thinking well, it might be a good idea. We could each do our top ten of all the cryptids. True. Which ones that we just because growing up when we did with Weekly World News and Ripley's Believe It or Not, we learned a lot about cryptids just as children. Well, and that's what's funny too is because you know science for all of its wonderful things does really kind of spoil the endings on a lot of stuff. You know, like right. back in the day, you had tabloid magazines. And they, they they weren't like the skeptic observer, blah, blah, blah. It was like, you know, the Loch Ness Monster was sighted and you just took it as fact, like, oh, crap. Well, as it, as it was, <laughs> when we were kids, this was something, you know, printed in a paper. That's real. Yeah. That's not a nonfiction book. That's actually news that we're looking at. Yeah. And I was like I said before, I remember about my paternal uh, uh, grandmother. She was a devout follower of Weekly World News. And I used to love going whenever we could go visit her house because by the time I got there, she had a new stack. And I would just spend the whole weekend just devouring those things. Dude, and we did a whole episode on the Weekly World News, yeah. too. But, dude, remember those ads in the back of Weekly World News that were, like, for life-size and, like, like uh, replica pistols that were yeah. BB guns? Yeah. I, wanted, I wanted those so bad. Like, those look so cool. <laughs> <laughs> like authentic replica, you know, it's like shoots 500 BBs a minute. Like, whoa, that's killer. <laughs> yeah, we, we've covered cryptids, but we'll definitely revisit it in some shape or form. Uh, probably not as extensively as we did before, because like we said, that was four episodes. Man. It was four <laughs> hours talking about cryptids. <laughs> but yeah, so then next question that came through, and this one's always always hard and so these answers might be different but i just had to go off the top of my head because we just had that interview yesterday with like the stuff that got you into horror like what's your and uh so you know top five what got you into watching horror not so like not your favorite so like scott's my favorite horror movie is probably the thing right. um or jaws or you know it's like pretty much everybody has the same top few because the cream rises to the top and your standouts are always standouts until they're toppled by something equally outstanding. Right. right? But for me, um, actually this probably does run in order. Um, the thing that got me into horror, um, we'll do, do a top five. So I'll start at five and you start at five and we'll just mm -hmm. go like this. But for me, Piranha, yeah. the movie Piranha, I've said it, on this show a dozen times, I've said on my other show, is filmed was was filmed uh, up north at this resort, this freshwater lake, um, the Aquarina Springs, that was so clear you could see at the bottom, and they had these perch that weren't piranha but looked like them. And we used to go to the resort, and it was an amusement park with the swimming pig and mermaid dance and all kinds of stuff. And they had glass-bottom boats. 
and my I probably was too young or my parents didn't realize I was paying attention, but I saw the movie Piranha or at least parts of it. And then we would go to this place and I'd see those little fish swimming around. And I like I was scared of them, but I was also just obsessed. I needed to know the rest of the story. I need to know what's what's up with this. Right. So um, that for me opened up a whole wide world of cinematic possibilities. <laughs> now, uh, that's the that's with William Cat, right? Yeah, the, yeah. the original yeah. one from the, yeah. from the 70s, early 80s. Yeah. Yep, yep. All right, well, my number five, I'll definitely have to go with. It just, these are movies, the, the way my list kind of goes is it's not in any particular order, but from what I remember as a kid, because technically the first like really wild, true horror movie I remember watching was Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but I only saw it one time when I was young, and I never revisited it again for a, a while. The thing that stuck out with me about Chainsaw is it happened three days after my birthday. You know, it was like August 6th, 1973. I was born August 3rd, 1973. So I always remember that sticking out from the first time I saw that movie. But the stuff that influenced me as a kid the most, as far as horror movies go, was me and my cousin Mark riding our bikes to the video store, looking for stuff to rent for the weekend and picking stuff out by the covers. And there were certain movies where if I couldn't find anything I wanted to rent, I would go back to these horror movies I had already seen a million times, dude. And uh, one of them that I'll start off with would definitely be Chopping Ball. Chopping Ball was awesome. <laughs> it was futuristic. It was, uh, you know, it was these robots that went on a rampage. It was just a, a cool-ass movie. And there was nothing, like, like there, were, there was, like, Terminator before the Terminator. Yeah. Like, it's like I said yesterday, it, it, it's the uh, it's where Short Circuit got their story from. <laughs> yeah, light lightning strikes the robots, and the robots. Can go. And you think you think in terms like back in the day, like mall security. You know, it's like now you've got movies like Paul Blart Mall Cop. You know, and it's like fat guy on a on a Segway. Right. It's like back then they're like these guys have nuclear reactors on their backs <laughs> because our the stuff that's in a mall is worth defending with with, with, with Death, killer death bots and lasers and stuff, <laughs> <laughs> and exploding heads and all kinds of neat stuff. Yeah, that was a cool. That was definitely one that I remember fondly. I, from the, the that was one of those that I always saw, like on, on rotation of cable, mm -hmm. you know. And I was like, it was weird because I never associated the title with the story. Like I didn't want to see Chopping Mall because I thought it was like a slasher, like literally chopping. Right. But I'd watch the robots chase people around the mall and zap them and you know, shoot at them and stuff. Then whenever I was like, oh, that is that? <laughs> like, oh! <laughs> Where are you going next? So my next one, and this is this is counting backwards to my earliest days, not my favorite, but this, like, all of these are the ones that got me in the movies. So the next one's going to be Jaws 3, like I said, um, mm -hmm. on multiple occasions. That was... You know, going all the way back, I was probably like six, seven years old. We just moved to the little town on the beach, you know, like a little seaside town. And um, my parents ordered in cable TV and the guy came in and he installed it. And he put the uh, the uh, TV guide down on the, on the table and it had that picture of the Jaws shark um, rising up above that triangle of water skiers. And... I was always, I was always loved sharks and fish and octopuses, even if they're punching fish, you know, that, that <laughs> yeah, can, like, just, I, I was just like, I loved that stuff. 
and seeing the shark, you know, coming up on, on that gaggle of skiers, I had to know what was, I had to know what happened, right? Like I have to, this, this is important, right? And being so young and not really kind of understanding the concept of the real true of between fact and fiction and, and that kind of stuff, I had to see it. Um, I think my parents weren't going to let me see it. And finally my dad relented and let me see it and it didn't give me nightmares or anything. I mean, it had a couple of scary parts that like made me shield my eyes and stuff, mm -hmm. but that just woke up a, and you know, you watch it now and you're just like, Oh really? Come on. You know, like it doesn't hold up, but man, back then yeah, it was, that was rough. Dude. Right. And uh, especially when it like shaved the skin off that dude, like what kind of shark does that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, watching Jaws three, I was like, dude, I'm done. I'm in. And then of course the rest of the Jaws franchise and moving into just regular horror movies. So yeah, that's the one. Well, the next one I got in this movie this was a really, really goofy-ass movie, and I remember renting it a million times. It, uh, I remember some of the, this is another one. I remember some of these scenes so vividly, but Blood Diner. The, the cover art on the VHS was awesome. I used to rent it all the time. It had boobs in it, which was always a plus with the movie. <laughs> uh, but there's the one scene where the guy brings the woman to the diner and he's trying to kill her and she won't die. So he shoves her head into the deep fryer. And when she pops out, she's this like huge hush puppy. <laughs> she takes off running and the other brother takes a broom and knocks her in the head and the hush puppy just went flying. And I can remember just me and my cousin Mark just laughing so hard at so much stuff in that movie. Uh, but yeah, uh, Blood Diner was a big one for me. And that, that's actually one of my grails for VHS right now. But the price on Blood Diner is ridiculous right now like, i imagine so you won't get one for under 100 bucks you know yeah yeah blood diamond is a big one but yeah that one i read that movie so many fucking times <laughs> when i was a kid i mean over and over and over again uh but yeah it, it, that's just one of the movies that, you know the, the uncle the uncle whose brain was in a jar with two eyeballs and he was still somehow able to talk and you know it was just, as a kid that movie just had everything in it <laughs> it had the dark humor. It had you know, the nudity. It had everything that I wanted. You're making yeah. me want to watch it right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my next one is actually not a movie. It's a it's an anthology short, and um, I had lost this one. Like it was stuck somewhere in my memory for you know. 30 years, 40 years, whatever it was. But I was a little kid. My parents were watching TV. And there was a series on TV. It was a short-lived anthology series. And it was called Catnip. Or not Catnip. It was called uh, uh, Dark Room. And it was in like 1981. So it made me five years old. And they had an episode called Catnip. Where this dude lives next to this lady. And she's a witch. And she's got a cat. And the cat and the lady terrorize this dude until the end. And in the end, like, he looks under the bed. So, like, he accidentally kills the witch. And then the cat just starts going ape shit on him. And he's trying to kill the cat. And he's, like, hitting it with a bat. <laughs> and he's, like, doing all this stuff. And 
cat runs under the bed and the dude looks under the bed and when he looks under the bed it's the lady's head and it's just like vibrating and it's just like hissing and like (laughs) and at five years old i was just like i was terrified just but it was also like okay i need more of the story like what like how did how did you like just move next door to a lady and accuse her of being a witch. And she's like, yes, <laughs> like, Oh my God, scary as hell. Right. So yes. And I watched it again. It's on YouTube. Yeah, and I remember when you found it, I still as scary as it ever was. <laughs> so, same, same episode has one where a dude like, like has some monster in his lake and he like traps hitchhikers and feeds it to his monster in his lake. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> My next one is definitely going to be another one that I've watched a million times, used to rent it all the time. And... Yeah, the next one on my list is definitely, I remember the scene so vividly. It's one of the, another one of the ones that just sticks out in my mind that I saw when I was real young, but I just can never get over the, uh, the scene. But Motel Hell, and the scene where he has all these people buried up to their necks, they can't move, and their vocal cords are removed, and they can't talk. That is just one of the creepiest things I had ever seen. <laughs> Motel Hell had, you know, it had comedy, it had elements of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, it just had all kind of cool shit in it. And Motel Hell had a great, you know, it had a great poster, it had a great, you know, VHS cover. And that's another one that I rented a lot. Oh, former <laughs> Vincent with his fritters. <laughs> that was a good one. That was definitely one that I didn't like. The next one I'm going to go to, I mean, time-wise, these are probably a tie. And these are definitely, like, very horror ultralight. But what got me into horror was the Disney shorts, like uh, the Headless Horseman, mm-hmm. the the Haunted House stuff, like the Lonesome Ghosts. Like, Disney and the Haunted Mansion, like, they've always had a really good relationship with uh, spooky you know, it's yeah. like that gives you that kind of love for what's around the corner and what's the, you know, what's the history and kind of what's, you know, and I think that's for me what draws me into horror. And people are like, oh, what do you like horror? It's like, do I really like to see faces get splattered? Like, I have an appreciation for special effects, but I'm not, I'm kind of empathetic. I'm not like really into watching people get hurt, but it's more like, okay, what's the story behind this? Like, what, what? What happened? What turned them this way? What, you know what I mean? And so like ghosts and monsters and legends and myths and that kind of stuff is what really draws me. And mm-hmm. Disney is really good at that. Well, what they were also really good at as kids, and that was probably our first experience with this, is the effectiveness of a music score. Because mm-hmm. those films had always had great scores and they knew how to change mood with the score. And you knew when something bad was about to happen. You know, yeah. They were very fair. That was probably our first, you know, real experience with that kind of thing. You know, and they, they made this stuff like in the 30s, 40s, 50s, and you know, and you're watching it in the 70s and early 80s and it's just as effective. I mean, like there's something primal, I think, about a haunted house. Yeah. You know, just kind of like the dark and shuttered, the da- dilapidated, but there's somebody in there. And I think still, you know, that's, that's to me, out of all of the scenes in the original <clears throat> Halloween, right? Like, so you've got all the kill kill scenes and you've got the jump scares and everything. I think the f- most frightening take in that entire movie is uh, when he's looking out the window across the street and he sees Michael carrying the body in the door. 
right? He's just a flash because he just looks across the street. He sees the boogeyman carrying the dead girl into the house. Mm -hmm. He looks away for a second. He's gone, like behind closed doors, all gone now. But then I remember it's probably like the hundredth time I'd seen Halloween. I was at my parents' house for like Thanksgiving and we watched it and I went outside to have a smoke and I started looking at my neighbor's house across the street and I got a shudder. I was like, he could be like, not, not Michael, but a Michael like person. Yeah. Any one of these people could be a serial killer with like, <laughs> with like bodies buried in the backyard. There could be a girl being tortured in any one of these bedrooms right now. And I'm out here having a smoke and she's looking at me through a crack in the window, right. hoping that I catch a glimpse, but you know, like that's terrifying. And so like, and Disney has a really good finger on the pulse of like what's behind the curtain. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's to me what the scary part is. Yeah. So yeah, I can definitely see it. But a lot of those old films, even uh, Wizard of Oz, you know, those have hard elements to them. You know, they, uh, it's weird how back then they would, that was marketed to kids. Yeah. <laughs> number four on my list is definitely one that I have seen a million times, including the sequels. Uh, it's one of those ones that I used to go back to often is It's Alive. Those It's Alive movies with the little demon babies and shit. Uh, <laughs> that was just creepy as hell. And it, like I said, all these movies had all the elements that I enjoy. You know, a little bit of comedy, you know, some terror, gore, special effects. Uh, it's Alive was, was a good one. And, you know, just with the creepy babies and everything, you know, eventually I searched out other stuff like Rosemary's Baby and all kind of other shit just to go ahead and, and see what else they had. But definitely It's Alive was one for me. <laughs> That's the one where it's the uh, just like the little pram with the baby in it. And yeah. Like an open doorway off in the distance. Yeah, like, there's a little hand coming off the side. Yeah. You don't know what the hell's in the basket. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that. Well, my number one getting me into horror, again, <clears throat> not a movie, but Scooby-Doo, original series. Uh, I don't even remember. Three, four years old. Rolling out, you know, waking up from my nap and Scooby-Doo was on and I loved it. Like I was obsessed. Like, so the haunted house, the, 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 the swamp, the monster, the man behind the mask, like pretty much all horror tropes were encapsulated pretty perfectly inside in of Scooby-Doo. Scooby yeah. And, um, I recently for my daughter, cause she got into Scooby-Doo, but the newer series, it's, not it's, it's not good. It's just it's crap and so i was like no it can't like the, the original scooby-doos weren't crap and it's not because i bought a season season one and two on uh for christmas and it's good like oh, yeah. there's there's story to it and there's character development and there's comedy and there's little spooks and i always grew up wondering like why did they put so many trap doors in their houses like that's <laughs> there's trap doors in like everything you know <laughs> <laughs> like, why well, would you put that there? It's just like a trap door in the middle of a living room floor, but you know, like, I guess. <laughs> but um, yeah, dude, like that's that for me is what drew me in, and I think that's, I mean, outside of just about everything else, that was a, that was the very first episode of Scary Dad was me explaining what got me into into horror. Mm -hmm. Because and whenever I really tried to trace it down and thought about it, that's where it came from was right. was watching Scooby Doo and like 
you'd see those opening credits with all the different monsters and realize like, Oh, I haven't seen the episode with the uh, diving helmet man. And then you see the episode with the diving <laughs> helmet man and you were like, Oh, you know, so there's, there's just a lot in there, a lot to unpack, yeah. but uh, <laughs> it's good stuff. So the number one movie that I have to say uh, that I probably rented the most, uh, it, it was just a, a cool ass movie. Me and my cousin watched this a million times. Uh, but starring Kevin Van Hinterick is Basket Case. I can't tell you how many times I watched Basket Case. <laughs> and I can't tell you how many times me and my cousin used to reference it in different movies and stuff. We used to make our stupid little films and everything. But uh, just the the monster in that one, the while, you know, it was just a cool story. You know, it's a guy who has the form Siamese twin removed and instead of it dying, He's stuck in a basket and can't feed this shit. Uh, basket Case was just an awesome movie, man. That, that's when uh, I actually, one of my, hopefully I'll be getting it soon, but one of my uh, kind of grill collectibles I want to get is Tom over at DWM Productions makes a prop, a movie-sized prop of Belial. And I, I want to get that and set it up in a basket. Just to, uh, like that, that movie, I can't tell you how many times I watched it. That's awesome. And, and the thing about these movies is, these movies kind of gave me my love for horror and these movies are what got me to seek out and enjoy stuff like near dark and the thing and you know all these other really really good movies that i eventually got into but these are the one this is where it started you know i think that almost i mean with almost anything i think movies is mainstream movies and independent films, I guess you have, you have like auteurs, people that are like, Ooh, you know, if you like Forrest Gump, then you'll like this weird French impressionistic long shot of a clown for four hours. Like, you know, people have their opinions of indies, Mm -hmm. you know, indie music is usually pretty good. Depends. Not, you know, just because you happen to make music doesn't mean that you're a good musician. Right. Same thing with movies or whatever. But I think though you're kind of like your B and C movies, like the ones you describe, I think that opens up such a wide worldview of what's acceptable or not acceptable, but what's possible. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, this is, you know, something that I could do. I could write a story like this and we, you know, we can make this. It'll be fun. You know, like it doesn't take much to put a, put a hand in a basket. Right. You know, of course you do have your final appearance of the, of, of the shark and stuff that you have to really pay attention to, but you can make 90% of that movie with, you know, you. Right. And I think the, that's what draws horror too, is because it's like, how did they make that? How did they do that? How did they explode that head? You know? Right. Um, so I, I love it too. But I mean, as a, as a nine, 10, 11 year old kid, I didn't need, you know, Oscar worthy movies. Of course. Sort of shit that was fun. I wasn't worried about the acting. I wasn't worried about <laughs> you know, the special effects. As long as they were cool. They didn't well, so say, great. Like dude, loving, loving Jaws three. And then growing up and watching it again, being like, wah, 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 you know, but it doesn't take away the fact that I sat there, like almost daily right. and just watch that over and over and over again. And if you weren't paying attention when I asked the question or when uh, Art Albert on the forum was like, name a, name a uh, actor and we'll guess the movie. Yeah. 
Leah Thompson was in Jaws 3. <laughs> so it wasn't Howard the Duck, which was was frightening, but wasn't scary. <laughs> but, the, but at the same time, Howard the Duck is another movie. When that movie came out, you know, we revisit movies now. We can see the problems that, you know, they actually had. But when I was a kid watching Howard the Duck, that was a good-ass movie. <laughs> I wanted to see it again. There was just an awesome, you had a talking duck. You know, it was it was awesome. Looking at it now through a different you know lens, I still give it all the credit in the world because it's a, it's a nostalgia wise, it's a great movie, but it it can be redone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and like I said, these are the movies that brought me finally where you know Friday the Thirteenth Part Three one of my favorite ones. Mm-hmm. But these are the movies that kind of started it all. Yeah, same same with my list. You know, not high not high art, but a lot of fun. Strangely enough, there's a lot of me you know, watching them by myself because my cousins were like, nah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, hey, man, thanks, everybody, for posting the questions and asking the questions and such. And um, we'd like to do a – once every six or eight weeks maybe, do a ask us anything or ask us questions yeah. and and stuff. We will be continuing – like we we were, we normally record two, two episodes. This is a little housekeeping at the end of the show. If you want to skip on by this and we'll see you next week, but we normally record two episodes, but we got the Houston horror film festival coming up next week that uh, this weekend, actually that we're going to be at. So next week's show is going to be kind of a recap. Um, I'm going to bring my microphone to that show and try to talk to a couple folks and just get some man on the street interviews with some vendors and some uh, celebrities uh, as I get a chance to through the day. So that'll be next week, and then the following week, we're going to talk about getting Boom back on and then start getting our interviews lined up. And so far, as things look, looks like we're booked pretty solid into the next several weeks. So yeah. if you're interested in being on the show, reach out. Um, if you're interested in being on the show, do us a favor, too. Like, join the forum and get, get in and start getting to know people so that whenever we publish people know who you are you kind of have a relationship with them too not that that's been a problem for anybody before but um as we grow um join the join the conversation and 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 have some fun and with that that's been episode 166 and uh keep it scary later